Turn with me this morning to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. Throughout the month of December, we have been preaching on Christmas. So how do you preach more than just one Christmas message? But as we have seen throughout this month, Christmas is a lot bigger than one day. We have looked at the mission of Christmas. We have seen the Messiah of Christmas and worshipped him. We have looked at the depth of the miracle. And truly Christmas is more than a story. It's more than a fairy tale. Christmas is a message. And so this morning I want us to see the message of Christmas. What is that message? Mark 1, 15. Jesus says, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The message of Christmas. May I say today, and I'm very careful to do this, we're taught in seminary, never use first person singular if you can at all help it. But I must tell you, as the Apostle Paul spoke when they asked him, who did you meet on the road to Damascus? I must speak as Peter did when he stood on Mount Olive, uh, Mount of Olives at Pentecost. I must speak to you what the Philippian jailer relayed to his family and all the others who met Jesus. I must tell you I believe. I believe is the message of Christmas. I believe in more than fairy tales. I believe more than just the stories and the trapping. I believe the truth of what Christmas really is all about. And for you to come on Christmas morning tells me that your priorities are in order. That Jesus comes before all others. Today is his birthday as we recognize it. Today, may we walk away from this place being able to say, I believe. I believe the gospel. I believe the good news of Jesus Christ. People look at him and I've heard people say, oh, you don't understand. I'll have to give up so much to trust Jesus. The rich young ruler believed that too and walked away sorrowful. But I'm here to tell you today that the only thing You've got to give up to follow Jesus, to repent of, is sin. And sin's going to do nothing but kill you. But to have life and have it more abundantly, may you embrace the message of Christmas today. As Lauren always kills it, but presented such a wonderful message in music, I believe. I believe. And so the message is only as good as its messenger. You understand that, right? So many of us maybe have faced someone trying to sell a bill of goods, but we wouldn't buy it because we didn't trust the one selling it. The problem in the church today is too many believers look too much like the world and we want to say, come to church, follow Jesus, but there's nothing about our life that declares I really 
believe. Because if it takes the same faith to be saved as it does to get us to church or to share our faith, we've got to wonder how many of us truly know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's only as good as the messenger and the content. When I was a child, my mother would read all kinds of stories to us and she could recite all those old mother goose stories and all those other things. She still can, she tells her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren, she'll read all those stories and bring them to memory. But they were fairy tales. They were stories that somebody wrote, wrote one day and it sounded good and the kids enjoyed it. But there's one story that is true It stands the test of time of great miracles. You know, Christmas is all about the miracles, and it's all about all the different things. And do you realize that everything birthed into movies and music, and I love Christmas music. I I love all of it. Now, as I've told you, my favorite is Blue Christmas by Elvis. I'm sorry. It just is. Uh, Porky Pig is right behind that. I I just love it. It's wonderful. It's festive. I enjoy it. But there's still, and I can't help but hear it when we sing it. I hear my mother standing at our bedside singing away in a manger. No room for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. That's the same story today as it was 50 years ago. It's the same story as 500 years ago. It's the same story as 1,500 years ago. It's the same story in eternity that always has been. It's the content. We have heard the message all of our lives, but the question remains the same. Do I really believe? I'm going to tell you, I started questioning some of my doubts last night as we returned home. Y'all hear what I said? Returned home from seeing our family and pulled in our subdivision. And as we made the first turn, I looked and I screamed at Becky and she about panicked after three hours on the road. I said, stop. And I looked and there in my neighbor's yard were eight tiny deer. I was like, don't hit them. There's a lot of kids depending on this. Don't hit those. I was like, hmm. But you know, in my life, there's a lot of things that I've pondered as Mary and I have examined and some have fallen to the wayside. A lot of my own philosophies, my own thinking, but one thing has remained the same. Jesus Christ. And so today I want us to very quickly look Because I know we have presents and we have all kinds of things to go and enjoy. Let us not miss the gift this morning. I believe. Amen. I believe. I believe. Turn with me in Hebrews. Hasn't it been cool that we've looked all over the Bible at stories for Christmas? And we're going to preach out of Hebrews chapter 11 for Christmas? Absolutely. In Hebrews 11, verse 13, speaks of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and he said, they all died 
in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Listen to me this morning. I believe, like Abraham, in the promised Messiah. Having not yet seen, yet believed. They saw it afar off and said, this is not our home. There's more to it than this. When God spoke to Abram and then as his name changed and as God changed him, listen, by faith, Abraham, it says in verse 8, obeyed. When he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed. We must believe, we must believe in the promised Messiah and obey. We must follow the one who has been anointed. Abraham was told on the backside of Midian, God said, Abraham, I am God. I am the I am. You will be my people. I will make of thee a great nation. We see Genesis 12, an entire covenant God gave to Abraham. And may I say, if you get bored with the Old Testament, go back and read the Abrahamic covenant. And as you read, you start, oh, that's for the Jews. This is for God's chosen people. I want you to look at that one little line, that one little piece of that Abrahamic covenant. And he said that all nations in you will be blessed. Do you know what that means? Not that Abraham would be the blessing, but that his seed would. Because from Abraham came Isaac, and Isaac came Jacob, and Jacob had the 12 tribes, and through that tribe of Judah, through Boaz and Ruth, and through Rahab, and through all those that stepped down generation after generation after generation, through Jesse and David and Solomon, and on down, one day, one day, the angel came and said, Mary, thou highly favored above all women. What's really cool, even though Joseph was his adopted earthly father, there is a genealogy of Joseph as well leading back to Jesus. Abraham, having not read Matthew 1 and all those boring genealogies, believed and obeyed. And he went and he led his family and he led his people. Church today, we must obey. Your children depend on you. Your grandchildren are watching you. And I look around today and so many family members who have come to honor these two that were baptized. Listen, what a great, great support you are. But listen, don't change. Be there every Sunday. Even if you're not with them, they know grandma and granddaddy goes to church. They believe. They need to hear you pray. They need to hear you call their name out before a holy God. And they will believe as you believe. J.L., I can, remember, I can pray sometimes and I can, as I'm praying, I'm almost trans, transported back and I, I'm hearing my grandfather pray. I'm hearing my daddy pray because I pray like them. Because they set the example, all the pastors There's so many people that still pray like jail because he has set the standard for so many years behind him to his family and to his churches. Listen, your family's watching you. 
Isaac watched Abraham. Do you think for a second there was a day ever went by that Isaac didn't remember his father's faithfulness on Mount Moriah? Here in Hebrews it said Abraham was so convinced of who God was that even if he did slay him, God would raise him back from the dead. Do we have that kind of faith? Do we believe like that? That if God takes something, he'll give it back? That's faith, I think, that surpassed Job's faith. Just in my personal idea. Abraham believed and obeyed. And he went. And he led his family. And he led his friends. And because of his faithfulness, because he didn't abandon God's promise, we sit here today and we worship Jesus Christ, our Lord. I believe like Moses. And like Moses, I believe in the pleasure of Christ. He says in Hebrews 11, verse 24, By faith, Moses, by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches that the treasure in the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect to the recompense of the reward. You see, for every gift, there's a recompense. For every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. For every act of our lives. And Moses got it. And Moses believed and he counted. And, and it, it's kind of odd. And I, I, it was a quandary how to alliterate this point and to use the word pleasure. But it says here that he had pleasure suffering the reproach of Christ rather than pleasure of sin. What I say at the start, the wages of sin is, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And though Moses being disobedient in striking the rock the second time, he had to pay the price. Amen? And here, the greatest, there's more talked about him as a leader for God, a follower of God and a leader to God's people than any other person, even King David in all the Bible, even more than Abraham. There's a Mosaic covenant. God did unbelievable things, but don't think You'll slide something by on God. You've not been going to Sunday school. You've not been praying. You've not been tithing. You've not been telling other people about Jesus Christ. You just want to wait and let somebody else take care of missions. And you've put it off and you want to buy all the other stuff. Listen, there's a payday someday. Moses got it. But he missed on this one point. When he struck the rock in anger, he disobeyed God. And because of it, this great leader... 
who got to lead across the Red Sea and through the wilderness and go up on the mountain and be with God and receive the Ten Commandments and pray and there'd be man and pray and there'd be quail and all these great things. Saw the promised land from afar off and died on Mount Nebo. And the angels buried him. Now he's in the promised land, but he suffered this side of glory. Church, how many of us are suffering because of our disobedience? We believe, but we don't believe enough sometimes to enjoy the pleasures of Christ. It was a pleasure to serve. He counted it an honor to be able to serve on the backside of the desert when God came and in a burning bush spoke. He said, I'll go. They may kill me. Matter of fact, I kind of pretty much expect. Do you realize Moses' mugshot was still on Cairo's post office wall? You realize that, right? I mean, Alexandria, Cairo, throughout, top ten, most wanted, Moses. Because I did all of this stuff for him, Pharaoh said. And what does he do? He chooses the Hebrews and kills an Egyptian. I want his head. That's why Moses fled. How many of us fear a world that God created rather than obey the creator? When God came and spoke, he went. And God protected him. And over and over and over, Pharaoh would get mad and God protected him. And he would go in and say, my God said, let my people go. And Pharaoh would make it worse. And then he turned his own people, political shenanigans, all kinds of things. The the Hebrews started hating Moses. Moses said, I didn't get into this to be liked. I didn't get into this to be popular. I did this because it's right. And I believe in serving and suffering for the one who's done more for me than I can ever repay. And Jesus had not even died on the cross yet, but Moses, his faith was accounted unto him for righteousness, having as Abraham not seen yet believed by faith. Moses. Look with me in Luke, and we'll go to the Christmas story for just a moment. Luke chapter 2. How wonderful is it to be in church on the Lord's birthday? Is this not awesome? Everybody looks nice and all pretty up. Every kid's happy. I mean, well, to have Christmas. On Sunday morning, all the kids are happy on Christmas. Everybody's happy, smiling. And, man, what a wonderful privilege it is to come and worship him on every Sunday, but especially on Christmas. You see, I believe, like Simeon and Anna, I believe in the purpose of Jesus. The purpose of Jesus. It says... In chapter 2 of Luke, verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death 
before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought forth the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God. And he said, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. Listen to verse 30. For mine eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon believed in the purpose of Jesus. We look back into Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. And the word calls him wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the prince of peace. We go back to chapter 7 verse 14. And he calls his name Emmanuel to mean God with us. But that's one thing to call him that and understand he was God incarnate. But when the angel spoke, said, and you shall call his name Jesus. Being interpreted, Jehovah, God saves, present tense. Not God saved, not God's going to save, God saves. You see, Simeon understood that. He had looked for it all his life. He believed in the consolation of Israel. And now Simeon believed in the fullness of the purpose of Jesus. He had come. He said, let let your servant die. I'm happy. He's here. He's here. You know, it's like that wonderful Christmas day. Everything's great. You get up early and you have breakfast. You go to church. And you get home. You sit down. Put your feet up. Put your comfy clothes on, prop your feet up, take a deep breath, and there's that joy. You know what I'm talking about? That restful joy. Simeon said, I can die. I'm happy. I, 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 I couldn't ask for anything more. He got the ultimate Christmas gift. The Spirit spoke and said, go. Go, he's there. Today, I pray God has led you here. And whether you felt the leading or not, you're here. Hear the word of God. He is your salvation. Simeon believed in that purpose. Anna, an old woman, a woman who had went through all kinds of trials and tribulations in her life, who had stayed faithful even through the loss of husband, even though she had grown old, And many would have thought, would have been very lonely. No. Even though she had been a widow for four score and four years, she never departed the temple of God. She didn't blame God for that. She didn't reject God in the midst of trials and tribulations, but served him with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. Anna believed in the purpose of Jesus, the redemption of mankind. Listen, Abraham Believed in the promised Messiah. Moses believed in the pleasure of Christ and his sufferings. Simeon and Anna believed in the purpose of Jesus to save and to redeem. But may I tell you today, Herod believed as well. King Herod, it says in verse 1 of Luke chapter 2, and it came to pass in those days 
that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor in Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea with his wife to be taxed. It says, and she brought forth her firstborn son. It was in the days of Herod. And we know the story as we find over in Matthew, I believe, Matthew chapter 1. As we know what's going on, we see the story of the angel coming to Mary, and we see them in an inn. We see all that's going on. We know about the shepherds. We know about the wise men. But the Bible tells us about old Herod. It said in chapter 2, verse 1 of Matthew, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the days of Herod, the king, he said, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. This is what the wise men asked Herod. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. They said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. There's a lot of people believe they could quote scripture. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. All Herod heard was rule, a governor. No. No, I got to do something about this. Nobody's going to take my throne. We'll have a recount. We'll protest. And so Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, go and search diligently for the young child. When he had found him, when you found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. We know the story. He wasn't meaning to worship. He meant to kill him. We often forget Jesus lived in Egypt for a while. He understood what it was like to be exiled. Just as Moses was a type and shadow, Jesus went there as well. The problem is Herod believed in the presence of the Christ. He believed he was there. He had heard the wise men. He had read enough scripture. He had heard people, prophets and priests, talk about this his whole life. And it had come in his time. He was bound and determined not to let it interfere with his plans. Church, it's a shame that many churches today are closed. We have got our priorities mixed up. I love my family. I love my family. I love my church. But I love Jesus more than them all. This weekend, sitting there, mom told the story of when my daddy told her in their early days of marriage, said, you need to understand, you'll always be number two in my life. And at the time, my mother being young, 22, 23 years old, my dad about 28, 29, 
At first, it kind of set her on edge, and she was like, what do you mean, Aubrey? Why? I thought I was number one. He said, you need to understand Jesus will always come first beyond all other things. And she said, oh, gotcha, I'm with you, you know. But at first, it sets us off. Nobody wants to be told they're number two, number three. Hey, you could even be number four. But Jesus must be number one. Number one. When all else fails, he does it. Amen? When everything comes full circle and it seems like the world's crashing down around us, he'll still be Jesus. And he's still sitting on his throne. I had people say, y'all having church? And you know what my answer was? You're not. It's his birthday, not yours. Yeah, but we've got family. You don't have family without Jesus. You don't have church without Jesus. And you sure don't have eternal life without him. Herod believed, but he only believed in the presence. It was a false worship. You may have been coming to church, going to your church, Sunday after Sunday. You may sing in the choir. You may teach a Sunday school class. I don't know, but what I do know, you believe that Jesus is real, but you've never believed in him as Lord and Savior. And it's a false worship. Herod believed. Herod believed. He didn't say, go and see if he was really born. No, he said, go tell me where he was born. He believed. You say, well, I just believe that God understands. Look, it don't matter what you believe until you believe in him. And believe in him as Lord and Savior. You may have concocted your own idea of doctrine, your own idea that Jesus just loves everybody and everybody's going to heaven, it's all going to work out. I've got news for you. If everybody was going to heaven, then why did Jesus have to die? Jesus died for your sin. And you will die and go to hell without him. That is the story of Christmas. But the great news is God did not leave us comfortless. It was a false worship. It was a fraudulent search. He didn't really want to just find him to worship him. He wanted to target him so he could take care of it. And sometimes we isolate. We box God in so that we have... This compartment over here, I can live and I can party and I can do what I want. And then I'll put God over here and I'll give God this part. I'm going to tell you something. God doesn't want your 50%. God doesn't need your 75%. God rejects your 99%. What God will take is it all. Because he said, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. When we start realizing we can't check out on God, he called us to be faithful and to serve him. That he's God and we're not. Christmas and every other day of our life is about him, not about us. It was a fraudulent search. And it says, and then after Herod died, they came back. It was a fatal rejection. Fatal rejection. He saw him as a threat. Do you see Jesus as a threat? He's a threat to your money. He's a threat. Oh, I can't tithe. Well, he's a threat to your money. I, I, I just can't go to church all that. Then he's a threat to your, your preferences and your way of life. If you will not reject that which is wrong and accept that which is right, 
If you will not seek your spouse and seek your education and seek everything about ministry, about your life, based on what does God want in your life. Mary was led by the Holy Spirit. Joseph was led by the Holy Spirit. Simeon was led by the Holy Spirit. Moses was led by the Spirit. Abraham was led by the Spirit. Paul says, let us not walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Church, when we become obedient, we'll say, God, what do you want me to do? Spirit, lead me. Lead me where I should go. Lead me into what I should do. May I walk in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. It was a fatal rejection. And Herod died. But then I want you to turn with me in Acts chapter 8. And I want to point out a few things about a man who believed. And I want to ask you a question. I believe. I can't, I, you can't say that enough in this world. In a world that doubts anything and everything. I read something this weekend that some science or something said that we're just kind of living in this virtual reality thing. That they're convinced it's not really real. Dude, come over to my house. I'll show you real. I mean... It's real. This, this is real. People come up with all kinds of ideas. The cosmos is all there is. I'm here to tell you, God spoke the cosmos into existence because without a designer, there cannot be a design. And for there to be a cause, there must be a causator. There, there's the laws of first principles that you cannot have a finite thing without an infinite being above it because a finite being cannot pass through an infinite structure there must be that one which is infinite above that which is finite there must be a god above that which is created And when we get to the understanding that the fact that there is an absolute moral, there's an absolute truth, it's not subjective, it is objective. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. Listen, if there is just subjective truth, then you can go and kill anybody you want and say, I just didn't think it was wrong. You can push an old woman off off a a railway. You can throw a a baby off a roof. I'm telling you, you're going to go to jail. Driving tractor trailers into Christmas celebrations, blowing up things, hijacking planes. Hitler could just say, look, I don't believe it's wrong. And the Nuremberg trials would have said, you know what? We've got to turn them all loose because we can't, we can't base it on anything because they say what they believe is okay. But we know, and time And humanity declares there is that which is wrong. And to have that which is wrong, it must have corrupted that which is right. Therefore, there's an absolute moral. And if there's an absolute moral, then there must be an absolute moral giver. If there's an absolute truth, there must be truth. And Jesus said, I am truth. The Ethiopian eunuch standing on the side of a river. There in his fancy 
gold-gilded chariot, the money man for the queen of Ethiopia, standing there reading the word of God. Church people are looking. Church, listen to me, people are hungry for somebody to tell them who Jesus is. And Philip come along, God sent him away from a very successful ministry and sent him into this place where there's just one Ethiopian eunuch. May I share something with you very quickly, but very poignant? (coughs) Philip was not American. What does that mean? Philip was not European, Caucasian. Philip was a Jew. Philip was very dark, olive-skinned, may have had a bigger nose. He was definitely Jewish. There's a difference, right? I mean, it's very obvious. Hitler tried to kill him. Stalin tried to kill him. Our president just rejected him. But thank God we're going to change that in about 30 days. Because Israel, we're going to be their friend. Because the day that we break those ties, look, Get on your face and say, even so, Lord, come quickly, because he's coming. You won't reject his. But the Ethiopian eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch wasn't Caucasian. He wasn't Jewish. You think the olive skin of the Jew was dark? I don't mean this in an ugly way. Listen, he was sable. Ethiopia is known as the darkest skinned Africans in the world. And this absolutely sabled, rich eunuch, one who never been married, never would be married, dark black skin, wealthy beyond measure, was completely the antithesis of Philip. And God sent him and said, tell him who Jesus is. And he come alongside this Ethiopian eunuch. And Philip says, what are you reading? He said, I'm reading the Bible. He said, what do you think about it? He said, what do you mean what do I think about it? How can I understand? I don't understand any of this. You ever heard that? I don't understand all that Bible. I can't understand all that stuff. Well, number one, God has already broke the race barrier by sending Philip. Because Jesus died for us all. Amen? And he sent the word of God to point toward the son of God who will save us from our sins and take us to God. And so Philip crawled up and he said, let me just tell you who Jesus is. And I'm paraphrasing, you read the whole chapter 8 of Acts when you get home, but here's the bottom line to the whole story. Hear me now. This is good stuff right here. It said, Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuchs said, here's water. What's holding me back from being baptized? Philip said, if you will believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, listen to me. The eunuch said, hear this. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe is the message of Christmas. 
You see, the Ethiopian eunuch believed in the person of Jesus. He's real. He believed in the power of Jesus. He is able. Colossians tells us that he has the preeminence. He's over all. He can do whatever he wants, whatever he wants, however he wants. And the eunuch believed in his power to you. He believed in his passion. The passion of Jesus that he came, born of a virgin, lived without sin, died for hours, and is risen from the grave. Here's my question as they come to the instrument. Hear me today. The message of Christmas is I believe, Abraham believed, Isaac believed, Jacob believed, Job believed. Gideon believed, Rahab believed, Simeon and Anna believed, Luke, Matthew, Peter, Mark, John, Paul, the eunuch, but even Herod believed. We've got to decide what we believe and how we believe it. Church, the message of Christmas is, I believe. So I want to ask you this question. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, left all of heaven, came to this earth, born of a virgin, lived fighting all the temptations and having faced them all, withstood them and died a death he did not deserve for a people who does? And when he cried, it is finished, he wasn't just talking about his breath and his short 33 and a half years here on this earth. He was talking about God's plan of salvation, that redemption Anna talked about, that consolation that Simeon talked about, that propitiation that Paul preached about. He said, it is finished. So why do we sit here seeking dead among the living for he is not here but is risen you've got to ask yourself in this short little window before between when I finish and when I ask you to stand and come understand I'm asking with my mouth but the spirit is compelling you to come give an answer because he says you've got to give an answer to every man that asketh the hope within you but as he asked Peter you've got to give an answer to him Who do you say that he is? He asks you, who do you say that I am? Do you believe? Will you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Will you come and follow him in all obedience that 2017 be the greatest year in your life as a believer? To follow as these two faithful children have today in believer's baptism, whatever you need to do, will you believe in him? Stand and come. Stand and come.